welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with more than a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and I'm guilty of lalokesia. Lalokesia? Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. Swearing or using abusive language to relieve tension. So that is fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read, like, things where it says people who swear are smarter than those who don't. I mean, that sounds stupid, but you see those things. I definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Or like people who stay up really late are more intelligent than people who don't. And well, I don't believe that because I am definitely not a night owl. I used to be. I mean, to me, it's just like whatever you you're you're used to doing, you know, you right. Just I guess it goes against your circadian rhythm to stay up late. Mm-hmm. So to me, that seems not smarter to go against nature. You're just working against it. But then I think the argument is. Well, you're um, your own person, so you can go against nature. Right. <laughs> or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, welcome to Addicted to Murder. And I'm going to ask Courtney a question before we get into our titillating new case today. All right, go for it. This is a would you rather. And now I know your fear of spiders. <laughs> so, would you rather be bitten, like visibly seeing? be bitten by a non-venomous spider or a small non-venomous snake oh snake easy really yeah snakes i'm not scared of snakes like at all even if they bit you and it hurt and drew blood i mean it wouldn't be fun Mm -hmm. but But you'd still rather do that than the spider well yeah because the spider would have to be on me and that would not be okay yeah and you'd be seeing it it's not like you know when you wake up in the with a bug bite right exactly Hmm. yep how about you um Probably, I don't know, honestly, Mm -hmm. because both of those things startle me, but I'm not scared of either one, but, Mm -hmm. uh, shoot, I should have had an answer to my own question. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a snake too. I mean, cause you know, I learned in my first aid class a long time ago that if you do get bit by a snake, it's easy to tell if it's venomous because if it's venomous, there'll be one or two puncture marks. Mm-hmm. But if it's not venomous, it will look like a bunch of little teeth. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just something for you guys out there if you're ever, if that's ever a situation you're in. Right. Because a lot of snakes aren't venomous. Right. You know? Most of them aren't. Right. Um, I do remember in elementary school, we had a snake in our class as a pet. And one of the, it was like third grade, one of the kids put the snake in the water fountain and it bit her. Oh. It was a boa. It wasn't venomous, but it right. still bled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's yeah. probably terrified of snakes now. <laughs> Poor thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, that was a good question. Thanks. Um, so this is a case that we talked about, you know, a couple weeks ago. So thank you again for giving us a week off. Um, this is not a serial case, serial killer case, but in our neck of the woods, meaning the Northwest, Oregon, Eugene Springfield, um, especially, this is a very famous case to us. It was, I mean, not international, but it was definitely had national attention. Right. Some might even say it's an infamous case. Infamous. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, It is. We're going to go over Diane Downs. So if you guys have not heard of Diane Downs, well, we're going to go really deep into it. I feel like for a not serial killer, we're going to um, spend a w- quite a while on this one just because she's so fascinating. She did so she did a ton of interviews. Mm-hmm. She's probably still doing interviews um, where she's at. Spoiler alert. She is alive. Yep. 
So, Courtney, do you want to say something about her before I start? I mean, I think just for those of you that don't know about Diane Downs and her case, I would just really want to warn people that, you know, there is some pretty disturbing content involving child abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if that is something that people are, you know, sensitive to, they might want to skip this one. Right. That's true. It's a good thing, for you. Good thing you said that. Um, there's also a movie that was done called Small Sacrifices, which is the book that we're going to use today. It's an Anne Rule book. So we love our Anne Rule books. We do. And yeah, Farrah Fawcett played Diane Downs in the movie, which I don't, Farrah Fawcett's way better looking than Diane. (laughs) Well, yeah, but they always do that in movies. They do. And I mean, not that Diane was not attractive. A lot of people thought she was very attractive. We see that all the time. And when you read about her, um, and she definitely used her looks to get things. She mm-hmm. was a bit of a seductress and stuff like that. But when I watched, I, I tried watching it. it. I couldn't find it in a clear copy. I watched it on YouTube with Chris. He was like, mm-hmm. why would they make Fire or why would Farrah Fawcett be playing Diane Downs? It's totally not accurate. Yeah. Well, it sells, right? It does. So yeah. anyway, so this case does take place right here. Like, um in the town Courtney currently lives in, Mm -hmm. um, in the town that I actually, when I was born, my parents lived in Springfield Mm -hmm. before they moved to Eugene. So yeah, it's right here. So here we go. The hospital involved in this case is also the hospital that I worked for, for five years. So some of the doctors on the case still worked there when I did. So I had told Courtney this, that my ex-boss from that hospital remembers Diane Downs running around the hospital and doing her like stuff that she was doing, being very dramatic. Um, They wouldn't allow her near her children, especially Christy. And we'll see why later on. But yeah, she was very all over the place and chaotic. Um, So let's see here. I've already kind of talked about that a little bit. All right, so Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson was born at Good Samaritan Hospital on August 7th, 1955 in Phoenix, Arizona, and she would go by Diane. Diane recalls her childhood as a sad and lonely one. She felt she was a skinny nobody that desperately wanted her mother's affection. Diane's mother was named Willadine. Um, She was pretty young when she had Diane and may not have had the best parenting skills when it came to emotionally, you know, nurturing her offspring. She was more interested in keeping her husband happy and doing what she was told. And she conceived another child very soon after having her first. So altogether, she would have five children and Diane would be the eldest, oldest, whatever. Diane is quoted as saying, quote, there were more and more kids and she ran out of time. Some little kids need mothers more. I used to sit around the house waiting for my mom to come and talk. She cleaned house for my dad and spent time with my dad, not me. Diane's dad was named Wes, and he was not the most warm and affectionate father figures one could have either. The whole family moved around quite a bit, sometimes, you know, in a city, sometimes on a farm. She lived all over the place. By the age of five, it was obvious to Diane's mom that Diane did not like her dad at all. He wasn't bothered by it as long as she just did what, you know, she was told. 
Diane was a good student. She was very bright with her IQ at one point being tested at 125. She claims to not remember big chunks of her childhood, you know, possibly dissociating during those times. She claims that she was not popular in school. She was teased a lot and didn't understand why the kids were mean to her. Quote, I didn't mix because when I tried, I wasn't taken very well. I don't know why I wasn't liked. It started in first grade. I suppose I resented it and became angry. I turned against them and wouldn't play with them. So the girls didn't pay attention to her and the boys were mean to her. So to cope with that, she dived into her studies and you know that was how she combated with those feelings of inadequacy. She hated recess and whenever they had to pick for teams, she was always picked last. Quote, I had no confidence. I was very shy, real quiet and passive. I hate to sound like Charlie Brown, but I was the last one to find out about anything or go anywhere. But the teachers loved me. Diane claimed to be invited to only two parties her entire childhood. Courtney, this sounds so sad. Can you guide us through what this kind of childhood can do to a person? She was not getting love at home, it sounds like. Her peers didn't want anything to do with her, and her only escape was books and learning. She daydreamed a lot, and she dreamed big. She basically fantasized about having a meaningful life and wanted to be a doctor when she grew up. There's a lot of attention put on things like physical abuse because it's easily recognized invisible, but research shows that neglect is actually the most pervasive form of child abuse. And while Diane's parents weren't neglectful of her basic survival needs, they do seem to have been emotionally neglectful of her. And it's not uncommon for eldest children who have many younger siblings to experience feeling ignored or less important because new babies just inherently require more direct care and attention. And we can also guess that because of this, and with Diane's mom being a teen mom herself, um, you know, without adequate parenting skills, Diane likely wasn't taught very much about social skills, like how to be a good friend, how to talk to new people, or how to manage emotions. So she likely felt left out and unwanted at home, And then when this pattern seemed to also show up at school with peers, it would feel like a very lonely existence. So you bring up a good point. We as children learn quite a bit of our social skills from our parents. Absolutely. They are very first role models. So Diane not having, you know, a great relationship with either of her parents at home, and I don't know about her siblings, she wouldn't learn those skills. So when she'd go to school and she tried to interact with her peers, she might seem weird to them or awkward, and then they didn't want to hang out with her because of that. And then she, of course, never would develop her skills any further at school because no one would practice with her, so to speak. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's really sad. I mean, it's very obvious when you say it, but I didn't think about that. So. Right. Diane really had a tough time in middle school or junior high, whatever it was there. She was not allowed to wear the kind of clothes the others were wearing. Uh, She she was supposed to wear, she was made to wear drabbed old-fashioned things. She wasn't allowed to shave her legs or wear a bra. And to top it all off, when she was 12, her dad made her get a short haircut that was then permed. The style at the time was super straight long hair. Uh, Trigger warning, child abuse here. This act of treachery made Diane hate her father even more, and it was at age 12 that Wes, Diane's dad, began to molest Diane. This is something he had not denied when asked. Uh, He never commented on it either way. Diane wanted to run away and packed up her stuff several times, but in the end, she felt like she couldn't leave her family. 
So Diane began to wear jeans and shirts to bed and hardly slept because of what she was worried, you know, might happen if her father was in that mood. She claims that she never resisted. Quote, he was the authority figure. I couldn't resist him. I couldn't tell. I would just blank out. It just didn't exist. I didn't exist. It's like a nightmare, not real. So Diane felt ashamed, not just because of what happened to her, but sometimes by how she responded. Sometimes she would derive physical pleasure from the abuse, and this made her hate herself. She didn't understand what was going on. Courtney, let's hear what you have to say. What's happening to a young Diane mentally at this time? So during the preteen and teenage years, there's so much development around personality and individuating away from parents that's happening and creating a sense of self sort of outside of the family connections is really one of the main sort of developmental tasks of this age and Diane wasn't allowed to do this and so then when her father started to give her attention finally albeit inappropriate sexual attention it started to create a connection in her mind between acceptance love power and sexuality And so during this time, she likely felt powerless about many things, including over her body, um, which was being used and also was just reacting in a very natural way that she had no control over, Um, but also feeling powerless and out of control around her mind and her sense of self. Diane became severely depressed after several months of this happening. She was a little kid at school, but at home she was something different. Diane cut her wrists at age 13. She didn't do it deeply enough to be fatal as she fears pain, but she still did it. Eventually, Diane became physically ill by what was occurring. She was not sleeping at all, um, probably all the stress and maybe wasn't eating, and she had to go to the doctor for this. The doctor just took her word that she was just tired. Um, So on the way home from the doctor's office that day, Diana and her dad were in his car when he er ordered her to take off her shirt, and by now she was wearing a bra, so he told her to take that off as well. She did, and she started to cry. She was screaming, but he ignored her, and in an act of desperation, she opened the door and was going to jump out into the hot Arizona desert with no top on. Wes was able to grab the door and close it before she could do so, but at the same time, they passed a cop on the road who pulled Wes over. The cop, asked, the cop asked Diane what was wrong. He caught her buttoning up her shirt, even though, and, and even though she said she was crying because she just got a shot at the doctors, he didn't really buy that. He asked Wes uh, to talk to him privately. So they went off behind the car and not sure what was said, but Diane said based on like the way the talk, cop was talking to her dad and the way the dad looked being talked to, the cop was definitely giving Wes an earful. He suspected what was going on so diane said it was pretty obvious that he was yelling at him about it west looked really guilty and after that conversation with the cop the molestation stopped courtney when diane was 13 it would have been about what 1968 so child abuse particularly child sexual abuse was not something that was talked about openly there were no protocols in place for assessing for abuse or mandatory reporting, um, as these weren't put into place nationally until 1974. You know, I would like to think that in modern times, the doctor she went to would have asked more questions and possibly taken action. Um, But we just don't know, of course. 
and I think she's actually very lucky that the police officer that stopped them was savvy enough to see what was going on and took it seriously. You know, not seriously enough to, like, arrest her dad, but enough to warn him to stop. Right. Diane's parents sent her to a charm school when she was 14, and there she learned how to pluck her eyebrows and do makeup and stuff. She still felt ugly and ashamed of her past, but she did eventually come out of her shell. Little by little, she became a very talkative and animated person. In fact, she now she was pushing people away by being too talkative and chatty. It was too much for people. She didn't really have any more friends than when she was silent, so she went from like the silent wallflower to being overly aggressive in her you know wanting to to talk and hang out and both both sides just push people away Wes didn't allow for crying most of the time and Diane really did anyways she would laugh in uncomfortable situations see what she would seemingly jump from emotion to emotion it was like she could not regulate her emotions she didn't have human friends but she had many animal friends she had horses and dogs and cats turtles and many others she was especially fond of her horse Dutch Quote, my horse was freedom, power, a friend, someone I could talk to who wouldn't talk back. He didn't like men either. I was the only one who could make him do anything. He gave me power. He was something I could be a part of that no one else could. Diane seemed to have wanted unconditional love and she wanted power. Courtney? It makes perfect sense that Diane was seeking unconditional love and power as those were exactly the things that she had lacked in her childhood so far. Do you see that with the kids that you um, that may have had childhood similar to Diane that they cling to animals? I think sometimes mm-hmm. um, animals are also just sort of naturally comforting, um, and sort of like Diane said, they don't talk back. Mm-hmm. So you can say whatever you need to, and there's not a consequence. Oh, remember Willie Picton <clears throat> and his cow. Oh, yes. Yeah, and that was like his only friend because he kind of had a similar thing going on as Diane. Right. I mean, obviously a little different, but with just wanting to be loved and then the only thing that... Loved him was his cow. Was his cow that his parents then killed and then ate. Yeah, we're going to come back to that later. Oh. Oh, okay. Diane met Steve Downs when they were both juniors in high school. Steve was kind of a bad boy. Wes did not like him did not want Diane to date him, which of course made her want to date him even more. Steve made her feel pretty. Uh, She was amazed that anyone thought she was pretty. She was determined to make Steve love her. Quote, he came to see me. He would support me. He beat people up over me. He made me feel like I was important. He had long hair and he never wore a shirt and he was rebellious. He was everything my parents didn't like. If their life was wrong, then what they hated should be better. So I chose Steve. Unfortunately, about that time, when Diane was 17, she suffered some great losses. Both her paternal grandparents were killed in a car accident, and her fur baby, Eric the dog, was hit by Steve on a tractor, and her dad had to put him down in front of her screaming with a shotgun. Two of her goats were killed by her father, possibly for for meat, and her cats caught ringworm, which caused Wes once again to shoot them. This is a quote from that accident. I blacked out. I remember the sound of the gun, and the next thing I knew, I was in my room putting on a clean blouse. I guess I ran out when I heard it, the gun. They found me later, walking down the road. My foot was bleeding as if I'd kicked something. I had complete amnesia for an hour. Uh, At the same time, Steve also left for the military. Courtney? 
I can only imagine how heartbreaking it may have been to lose so many people and pets in such a traumatic way so close together. And kind of like you mentioned way back before when we talked about Willie Picton and his case, you know, we really explored in depth kind of how devastating the death of a pet can be. You know, for him, it was his cow, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned. Sorry, I didn't know Courtney was going to go over that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, you know, for Diane, her animals were the beings in her life that she felt love for and experienced love from. So it would not be surprising if she did dissociate in order to protect herself from experiencing that full trauma of, like, seeing her cats die. Mm-hmm. And her dog. Right. Yeah. And her goats. Yeah. Diane was still living at home. So Steve went to the military. So Diane was still living at home and her and her father's relationship was still very bad. Diane would scratch up her face with her own fingernails to release the pressure that she was feeling by him. And I guess Wes would beat her with a belt for her insolence. But eventually he stopped when she began to fight back. Luckily for her, she graduated early and jumped at the chance to get out of there. That chance came in the form to study to be a Christian missionary at a Bible college. Unfortunately, Diane lasted only two semesters at this place, but she did experience popularity for the first time. She was very popular with the boys. She got kicked out for promiscuity. She claimed she was set up by some other girls, but who knows. Whatever the case, she had to go back home. She worked odd jobs while waiting for Steve to get back from the Navy during this time. When he came back, they picked back up on their relationship. There were definite red flags that Diane was ignoring about Steve. He was dominating and demanding and was similar to her father in many ways. Diane's female role model was her mother. She didn't think she could make it on her own without a man, so she never really entertained that thought. It also came down to choosing the lesser of two evils, living with her father or marrying Steve. In the end, she married Steve. Diane figured out pretty quickly that Steve was not going to love and worship her, Two weeks after they were married, Diane got a puppy, and Steve went on a date with another woman. Now, he apparently claimed that he made the date with the woman before they were married, so, you know, it would be really rude of him to break that date. What do you think, Courtney? Well, giant eye roll um, to <laughs> oh, just come on now. start That's... off with. Um, what a way to start a marriage. Exactly. But kind of going back a little, back to her time at Bible College, I think what we're seeing with her involvement with potentially multiple male students, is her now using her sexuality to get the attention and love that she needs, right? She learned that first with her father, and then it was reinforced during her relationship with Steve that you can use sex to get what you need, essentially. Her choosing to use it to get her needs met was a way of taking back her power. And then when she realized quickly in her marriage that this just wasn't enough to hold her husband's interest. She had to find a new way to get love and acceptance she was seeking. Thus, she got a puppy. Well, Diane was striking out with finding a person who really loved her or loved her the way that she felt she needed to be loved. She decided long before she got married that she wanted children. Steve wanted to wait a couple years. I mean, they were only like 18 and 19 years old or something like that. Diane did not want to wait. She wanted someone to love her now. She could have a baby and then become a doctor. That was still her dream, to be a doctor and to have a big house. So she threw away her birth control pills and waited for Mother Nature to take its course, and it didn't take long. A month later, Diane was throwing up in the morning. Diane would later say that she didn't, quote, love her fetus, but that she was, quote, 
in love with her fetus. Pregnancy made Diane feel whole. She felt she had a reason to live. Courtney, we see this a lot. You know, Diane loves being pregnant, but can you tell us what you're thinking right here? It is not that rare for women to report that they want to have a baby in order to have someone in their life that loves them unconditionally and, in a way, can't leave them. Um, And it's especially true for those who have experienced abuse and neglect to sort of have that thought and that desire. Um, And it fits perfectly into the profile for Diane. And then, when you have the hormonal changes that come with being pregnant, particularly um, increases in oxytocin, which is the so-called love hormone, um, because it triggers those kind of like warm and fuzzy feelings when it's released, Um, that just continues to grow over the course of a pregnancy. And so someone like Diane might be particularly sensitive to those effects. Yeah, we'll see as we go through the story that she seems to almost be addicted to being pregnant. Right. So yeah, maybe her brain especially releases extra of those happy hormones or something like that. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Or she's just more sensitive to that warm and fuzzy feeling because she's not getting it anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Steve didn't notice Diane was pregnant right away. Shocker. Until it was obvious by how she looked and he was not pleased. Steve did get excited as she got closer to to the delivery date, so there is that. During this time, he was in and out of work a lot, and the couple moved quite a bit. Steve got badly hurt on a job that caused him him to be hospitalized. Um, Now, Courtney, I know you didn't get a chance to read the book because I've been slacking on giving it to you, but he was supposed to be doing like a modeling shoot for, I can't remember, some like Gillette or something like that, Mm -hmm. and um, then he got hurt, and it like disfigured him some way or made it so he couldn't walk correctly or whatever so he got dropped from this modeling job and he was really upset about that so that was just a weird little caveat (laughs) that I learned about and so he was in the hospital and when he was in the hospital Diane could take care of him he needed her and that made their marriage okay at the time so he I mean it doesn't sound like Diane was asking for a lot at this point in her life in a marriage When he was physically well again, he started to cheat on her again, and then the marriage began to crumble again. So, Diane's first baby was born. Her name was Christy, and Diane was ecstatic. Quote, I finally found true love and peace with another human being, my daughter. While Christy grew inside of me, I knew for the first time in my life that I was needed. I finally had a reason to exist, and I was happy. After my child was born, I was even happier because now I wasn't the only one in love. Christy loved me too. Or Christy too loved me. Courtney? You know, I think that that sort of overwhelming feeling of love that, you know, parents get when they first meet their their newborn babies Mm -hmm. is... I mean, it's there for that exact reason, because suddenly now you have someone to protect Mm -hmm. and um, to care about. And so there is this huge rush, again, of oxytocin um, and all sorts of other hormone changes that happen in your body kind of in the weeks after giving birth. So I think that really may have been the first time that Diane really did feel like she was loved, like truly loved and needed because as a newborn baby you know Christy depended on her for everything 
Do you think her reaction, because it struck me as odd, but I'm not a parent, so I don't know, um, that where she said, Christy loved me too. She was in love with me as well. To me, that seemed like a, a big assumption. I don't know. It made me feel a little um, like she was asking for a whole lot from a tiny little baby but maybe that was just my cynical way of thinking. Did that strike you at odd, as odd at all? Or is that just, a, you think, a normal way people feel, oh, there's my baby, and now my baby's going to be in love with me as much as I'm in love with it? I mean, I think it's a little over the top. Um, and you're right. It is a very large amount of responsibility to be placing on an infant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we think back to just that whole idea of her wanting to get pregnant and have a baby to have something that she could love and that could love her and never leave. Mm -hmm. It kind of falls into that same principle. It's thinking of the child as almost like an object Uh that is there to love you as Mm -hmm. opposed to its own independent thinking, feeling Mm -hmm. being. And you're supposed to like, it almost seems like it should be the opposite, right? Like you're bringing a child into the world so that you can love them hoping they love you back but anyways I guess we're getting into semantics it's just reading her quotes about her pregnancy and having the kids um it just seemed very very all one-sided um to me like the way Mm -hmm. that she presented it and perhaps it was just her her wording that it was like these kids are here to serve me to love me they better love me and we'll see how that turns out Mm -hmm. in the next few episodes right but even right there it just felt like she put a whole lot of um, responsibility on Christy to make sure that Christy loved her the way that she needed to be loved. Sure. So, and that having that love was going to fix everything. Cure everything. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything else? Because that's where I was stopping for the day. No, I think that's a good kind of transitional point. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're going to stop then for today and then, uh, I, I can't figure out if this is going to be three or four parts, but it's going to be at least three, maybe four. Because even though, like I said, she's not a serial killer, there's a lot to, to look into. And there's She's got a quite an interesting personality. She does, yeah. and she showed it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely go check out some of her interviews. There's a lot of them, especially yeah. in the 80s. <laughs> they're great. They are I mean, they're so- great because they're like, what the f- actual F? Right. And then you see the fashion of the people interviewing her and you also think what the actual F. Uh, I had to send to multiple people, including Courtney, the Oprah interview because OMG, Oprah's hair is amazing. Yeah. I mean. Traffic stopping. To quote Mean Girls, her hair is that big because it's full of secrets. (laughs) Nice. And she, I mean, she interviews lots of people, so she, she gets did. lots of secrets from people. So yeah. her hair had to be that big to hold them all. Yeah. Diane Downs interviews are very, they're, they'll keep you, um, they're not boring. Let's just say that. They're fascinating. So. Yes. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Um, oh, I'm just going to throw out a little social media stuff because we haven't done it for a while. We're almost to a thousand followers on Instagram. Woo. Um, we're sort of s- slow, <laughs> but we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, we've had, we've seen quite a bit of uptick in people listening to us on our, like our stats are going up. So that's really exciting. So thank you. If you've told anyone about us or, or shared anything about us, we really appreciate it. It really encourages us to, to keep doing what we're doing. And you can find all of our 
social media stuff at the end of the episode um, in the show notes. Right. So. So, yes, thank you. And if you haven't told people about us, please continue to tell your friends and family. Yeah. And strangers how much you like us. <laughs> right. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. All right, everyone. Uh, be safe. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.